Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C-Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership coaching and wellness that supports C-Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources. Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. What is your current relationship to commitment? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And today in our interview segment, we have Angela Schenker, who is a performer and educator in New York City and one of my dearest, dearest friends. Angela and I uh, started out in the music scene when we were both pretty young and our careers have taken many different shapes and turns since then. But what has remained consistent is our absolute soul level love for each other. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. What is your current relationship to commitment? All right. The reason that I'm asking the question this way, current relationship, is I have found throughout my life that my relationship to commitment has shifted on and off based on my level of awareness or my level of work that I've done on myself or um, growth in general. So it's really interesting to me when I sit down and I talk to clients about what is currently going on in their relationship to commitment. And oftentimes, the first thing I'll hear is something that's pretty common in the world and something I experienced a lot myself was that commitment is burdensome or has this heaviness to it or this weight or a have to attached to it. So that might mean, you know, I think about when when I speak to friends who are mothers who say, well, I have to, you know, uh, put myself on hold for my child because my child is my commitment. So I'm not saying this is right or wrong. It's simply a really interesting place to look at where you're coming from as a baseline. Like, where are we starting from around our relationship to commitment? The next place some clients go are a conversation around something that they want to fix in their life for a commitment. So that might look like, I am committed to making sure that people have equality and inclusion in the whole world. Now, fundamentally, that's something I believe and I want for my life and my value system. And it's still a fix for something that I perceive wrong with this world. Now, hear me out. I know that a lot of us do feel like that is something that is wrong and we need to correct it. There's a a finite amount of time that that's going to last before you run out of gas for that commitment. So what I mean is if the commitment is around something that you perceive is wrong in the world that you're trying to fix, you're going to find yourself burned out somewhere along that journey of commitment. It's like if you get married... 
and you get married because you think you should be married, somewhere along that journey, it's going to feel really hard and heavy versus if you have a deeper level commitment for marriage, which, you know, is different for many different people. So the third place that I look with clients is what is the deeper commitment to the world that you have outside of anything perceived as wrong or should be happening in your life? So something very, very central to who I am that brings something out inside of me. So when I say I'm committed to having an experience of my life where I have impact, that is more about my commitment to myself and the world combined. And the reason I'm so committed to that is because it's the experience I want to have every day is impact. So when I speak to you on this podcast or when I speak to Aaron about something that we're talking about in our relationship or my family or my friends, I love, deeply love showing up and being with people in community and having impact. Now, I don't love having impact to change what's going on on the other side of the street with my friends or family or Aaron, although sometimes, you know, my human human side of me comes up and says, oh, we can definitely change the way this person thinks. But really what it's about is that I love being connected and in community. That's one of the things I really loved about my conversation with Angela was that we talked about when you love something very much and and deeply, that the commitment actually becomes easier. doesn't mean that you don't still have moments where you want to quit or give up or bail on whatever the commitment is, but there's a lot more gas in your tank to keep going when it's attached to something that you really truly love and it's an expression of who you are. So impact and connection and community are an expression of who I am, which makes it easier to get up every day and come to the table and be committed to the work I do in the world. Oh my gosh, Angela, uh, thank you so much for being here. I say that to all my guests, but I feel such a kindred spirit with you as my soul sister. And, um, I'm so honored that you're here today to speak on this podcast. I always like to start with when I met you, and I I have these moments in my head that are like little vignettes with people that I love, and I remember that we were at Bayview Music Festival in probably, gosh, I don't remember the year. It must have been 2006, I think that's when it was. Yeah, Yeah, right? Yes. 2006. Yeah. And, you know, Baby Music Festival is this like gorgeous little, little spot in Michigan that has a summer music festival where people go and put on shows. And I was cast as Chenadentala, which was like very scary to me in my life and all the notes that exist. <laughs> you were incredible. Oh, thanks. Well, you too. And you were my roommate and you were, you know, the fabulous clarinetist on this, you know, this, you know, in this show, but also my roomie. And I remember like pulling up to this little house and walking in that room and seeing you and thinking, oh my gosh, we are going to have so much fun because you were just a divine light. You smiled, you were so kind. And I really, um, I have to say you were influential in, in many ways on my music career. Cause that was when I was still starting out and I hadn't really come to New York yet, um, and hit the pavement. And I remember that whole summer, we had so many talks about our willingness to go do whatever it takes. Right. 
And then on the flip side, the same for me when I was making the choice to move to New York and you helped me with that huge transition and gave me the confidence to come and do it and pound the pavement. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We did that for each other. So, man, I love you. I'm just so glad you're here. (laughs) The love is so mutual. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I wanted to bring you on here because I think you're one of the badass women in my life that I know that has done some incredible things. And I would love for to just hear a little bit about your journey, maybe from like when you first got to New York in 2007. I think it was 2007 or 2008 at that point. Yeah, two, yeah, 2008. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey and, you know, then we'll lead into the big pivot that you had during COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So yeah, being a musician, and I I think this is probably similar for you, we're on this track. You're just sort of on this moving train. You you go to school and you study the thing and it's very much, you're going to accomplish the thing, the one thing and that's it. And, you know, of course, as we all know, life doesn't exactly work that way. Moving to New York was definitely always something in my heart I wanted to do. And of course, for musicians, this is just, this is it. This is the place to be. It's you know, so vibrant and alive and full of music and energy, which is great. Um, But of course, it takes a lot to make it here. You know, there's a reason all the songs, we make it here, you can make it anywhere. I mean, it is tough. It is a tough business. It's a tough industry. It took a while for me to really get my footing once I got here. And so I really did everything. I did every gig, every every music and non-music related thing I could possibly do Mm. to to meet people, to make money, to pay my rent, to attempt to get health insurance. Oh my gosh. Um, and just, yeah, the, I feel like at some point I've got to write my memoirs because the things I did just to like make crash um, were just so hysterical. Um, but of course, you know, over time you, you work hard enough and you, you, don't quit and you'll end up meeting more people and then people start to get to know you and you're playing and and they call and um thankfully after after a few years I started to turn down a lot of the other non-music related things so I could do more related things and then um I would say it took a pr- fairly solid decade to like completely make the shift to 100% making my career in music and performance and in teaching, um, which is something I love to do too. And that was another big reason I moved to New York. I wanted to teach and I wanted to perform. I wanted to do both and I didn't want to sacrifice one for the other. So, um, and, uh, you know, and I was hoping to meet a partner, which thankfully I did. And I wanted to have some kids, which I also did. Um, and that's, that's a whole other conversation on balance and work and all these things. But, um, yeah, thankfully, with a supportive partner, I've been able to do that, which is pretty awesome. And your partnership is glorious. So I know we're going to get there in this conversation about that too. But I'm wondering, what's the what's the key component of that decade long? You know, I like to think about it as my resilience training and boot camp training in New York for that decade long stretch where you're, it would be really easy to give up or walk away or listen to the voices that are from the outside, right? Like, well, this is going to be your life forever. And, you know, you might not get there. And, and it's hard. It's just so hard. Everything about it is hard. Yeah. Well, but what what was it inside you that, that had you keep going? I can tell you exactly. It is just my love, my deep, deep love of music. I There's just nothing 
there's just nothing like it for me in my life. It is such a passion for me. It's something I live and breathe and I feel most alive when I'm teaching. And I also feel most alive when I'm teaching and when I'm playing and when I'm teaching music too. I feel at home in both arenas and there are times when I'm playing and I think to myself, like, this is it. Like I can't do anything else. Like this is, this is it. This is what I'm meant to do. And then I'll be teaching and I think, well, no, this is, this is actually it. This nothing compares to this. And then I'll be home with my kids and I'm like, well, I'll get everything up and I just want to be with my kids. It's so great. (laughs) So I will say, you know, the music is one thing I don't think I can ever truly give up without losing a part of myself. But during the pandemic, I certainly did. And I was just a mom and a wife Mm. for a solid year plus and there was a part of me that was certainly dead, I will say, for sure. Um, and that was yeah. really hard. We've had a and lot of musicians that I talked to that feel similar to that, right? Because basically the entire industry disappeared overnight. You know, you can't really do anything in person anymore. And so a bunch of people had to adapt and went online. But what did you do during that time? I didn't because I was so overwhelmed with taking care of my kids and trying to get them in virtual school or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's even very generous, but, um, I just, I didn't have the bandwidth to go online. I tried teaching some lessons online. We could, I just couldn't make it work. A lot of my students are senior citizens. It was very hard to get like the camera and the microphone and all these things. It was just so stressful for them. It was stressful for me. I couldn't really help them. It wasn't meaningful. Mm -hmm. And at some point I just said, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. And thankfully, so thankful for this. They all came back. Oh, <laughs> once, good. Once, now they're all back. I get to see them all in person and it is amazing. And it was just this, you know, temporary blip on the radar, but um, I'm glad that that period has passed. And yeah. I- and can you describe a little bit about what you learned about being a mom during this time? Because we've, I've had a couple of people on the show that talk about being a mom during the pandemic, but now with a little bit of time removed, What'd you learn there? Yeah, no, it's so, that's such a good question. It's kind of divided into two periods for me. The first is the lockdown period. And that was, I don't think I've ever been so tested as a mother before because it was this super, super scary time. You know, I live in an apartment building and um, we don't obviously have a yard, so kids can't go outside. All the parks were closed. Um, we had like a little rooftop deck where you can just like run around a little bit. That was closed. So we literally couldn't leave. Um, and then two residents in our building died during lockdown. And at this time, we didn't know that the virus was thankfully not um, affecting kids so much, but we just like basically never, le- never left. And it was pretty paralyzing. I mean, they were going totally insane. I was going insane. Um, my husband, Umesh, was working crazy hours and I completely lost myself after, I don't know, what, three months? Yeah. After, after a couple of days, you're just sort of like, it's okay, I got this. We're in a routine. We'll figure this out. But the truth is just like literally not talking to people and like seeing daylight. <laughs> it's just really tough. And then you adapt. You really do. And I think once we were able to like at least walk around the block and at least get outside a little bit, um, that certainly helped and made a big difference. But I did love that time we had together when we didn't run around like crazy. That was Mm -hmm. nice. 
we, you know, we're so overscheduled and we're now back to being pretty overscheduled. However, you know, just being all together, there were so many moments when I thought to myself, like, we're going to be okay. This is okay. Like, this is all we need and we're fine. We're lucky. We're fine. Mm, Beautiful. Well, and I know that you made a pivot during the pandemic. So during that time of being really low and losing yourself, what what did you do from there? Yeah, it's so funny. I, I, you know, I was talking about how when I don't have music in my life, I feel lost. And I think that is true. And I felt that thing. But I also was like, do I really want to play anymore? Maybe not. I don't know. It's so much work. It's so much practice. It's so, well, it's all these things. And without any like performance to think about being so far distance. I was sort of like, meh, I got my life now. We're, we're doing fine. It's maybe fine. Um, and then after a fairly long time of that, I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'm missing this huge part of me. But I think what I was able to say, eh, maybe I can give this up. I think it's because I wasn't inspired by the work that I was doing, yeah. which is like strictly classical music, which I love. I love classical music, but it is not all that makes me me. And it's not, I I feel like, and and you and I have talked about this too, um, being musicians, like there's more, there's so much more. One of the the most favorite musical moments I have is doing the Bernstein song with you, the dream with me song, right? That was beautiful. Yeah. And that's because you're a beautiful musician. You're my friend. It was this incredible collaboration. And I love that style of music. Mm -hmm. And it was you know, pretty transformative for me to do this with you. And I want, you know, I was thinking, I want to do more like that. And I want to play more with vocalists. I want to do more chamber music. I want to do more musical theater because what, what a shame. I live in New York city. I love musical theater so much. I, I can't play on Broadway because I don't also play flute and saxophone. Like that just seems crazy to me, mm-hmm. you know, I shows and I'm like, but I want to play those shows. I want to be in the pit. Like, why can't I be in the pit? You know? And I just felt like my time was too late. I'm too old. I know I have my life and I, I have a good career. Like I should be thankful. I should be super thankful, but like, I wasn't happy. So anyway, maybe I think because I had sort of lost my mind a little bit, I was like, well, why not? I'm just going to (laughs) learn how to play all these instruments and whatever. If it happens, you know, happens, it happens. If not, what do I have to lose at this point? What do I have to lose? Um, And also, I think it would be a great challenge to just learn how to play these instruments too. Like I have this dream of playing on Broadway and like at Radio City, but, you know, let's just see what happens. Well, I'll give it a shot, basically. So you picked up the flute and the sax. Anything else? I started playing the bassoon also, okay. but temporarily put that aside um, because I, I pretty much started playing everything too much and too fast, and I have developed a little tendonitis in my hand. So I was like, well, okay, we're going to slow it down here a little <laughs> bit. Um, so that is currently in the you know in the studio in the corner, but maybe mm-hmm. again. Um, and also I was, you know, given the advice, I think the correct advice that if you want to break into the scene, you need to play a double reed instrument. It'll just help you get in. Um, and so I was starting to do that, but I, I was actually able to sort of 
weasel my way in without Well, well hold on, hold on. You didn't weasel your way in. Let's be really clear. You applied yourself for three months only and then took an audition <laughs> and killed it. <laughs> I, I will say I've never worked so hard for anything in my life, for anything. There you go. There you go. The most, um, it took literally a village of people. To well, help me. and many people <laughs> told you not to do it. Yeah. What was the advice? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I was given some advice from from a couple of different colleagues who I really trust. But there was really one main person who I was speaking with, and he was very well meaning. Um, but he just basically said, "It's a mistake for you to do this. It's." you're too old. He actually said that. Wow. You're too old. Wow. And I'm 39, by the way, listeners. I'm, <laughs> Not I'm old. 100, for goodness sake. <laughs> uh, whatever. Even if I was 100, if I wanted to do it, like, do it. You're supposed to say no, right? Come on. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, to be totally honest, it just fueled the fire. And this was like, a, this was a Zoom call I had with him. My hands were shaking underneath the computer. I couldn't believe it. He was, he was like, you should sell your flute and your tenor. You already bought a flute and a tenor. You should sell them. You should just get rid of it. It's, you already have a, a good career. Like it, it would be silly for you to try and add this on. And if you like really feel like you want to do it, just do it for yourself. Like, don't do it to like work, just do it to better yourself as a musician. And then if you feel after three years that you're ready to play for someone, then you can play for someone. And wow. Like, okay. Such rigid rules. Very well respected and in in, like considered like truly one of the greats in the industry, um, like literally wrote the book on um, how to do what I'm doing, which I studied extensively and which totally helped me <laughs> win this audition. So, Nice. I still have to thank him for because he is a master. He's a total master. But um, don't tell me I can't do something. Well, <laughs> especially if you don't know me. You says, know, <laughs> says the feisty Italian woman. I love it. Well, you know, a lot of what I talk about on this show is leadership, and especially uh, for people that are marginalized or cultures that are not necessarily built for them. And I really hear, you know, what we were up against in the classical world all the time, right? There were, uh-huh. we, we heard stuff like this all the time, all the time, all the time. And then who you were about it was, oh, really? Watch me. And, and I think there's something to that fire. So I, I just really acknowledge you for having that fire inside you that would create that. And that's who you've been all the time. I mean, I have that experience of you when we first met on that gig. I've had that experience of you with creating your family you know, really being like a, this shall be about you. And I'm wondering what else does that serve in your life? This, this shall be attitude. Yeah. I think it's, it's seasonal. It Mm. is. It's, it, it comes and goes in, in different ways. And I think I've learned over time I wanted I want to do everything. I want to have everything. I want to, you know, give my family everything and it doesn't work that way. I can't. And and not not just me and my family, but like also the world. Like there's there's so much I want to do and I want to give and I want to I want to be and I think I did have this perception of like I'm going to just balance everything and it's going to be hard and maybe a little shaky, but I'm going to just do my best to balance everything as best I can. And I I think that's not true. 
And I think there's season seasons for things. And there are going to be times when music may need me a little bit more, which right now, these six current six weeks, I'm giving more of myself to music right now. But I know that after six weeks, I'm going to give myself to my family and, yeah. and say no to other things. And that scale is going to tip in that direction. And there has to be a flow and I have to be much more willing to, to roll with it and flow with it and see, and, and also, you know, pay attention to myself too, which Woo! I will say that's the hard, that's the hardest one. Well, that's yes, hardest. but you're hitting on all the points that as a coach that I talk about, right, which is self first, well-being grounds you. And then this idea that work-life balance is a myth and it really is only balance on your terms. Oh my goodness. Well, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do. I should have talked about this sooner. Gosh, I no, no, it's good. I oh, love it. It's 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 I'll what. You. <laughs> well, and in real time, that's. But what I love is you you figured it out for yourself, and you're empowering it instead of making yourself wrong about it, which is what's right. really beautiful to hear. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about this audition that you won. Oh my gosh. Um, it's so crazy. Cause now this is, um, I've now done it twice. So I took that first audition and I will say it's two extremely different situations. So that first audition at first was like, I'm going to just take it and gosh, if I win, that would be so cool. But, um, I, I don't expect anything. And I, and I really didn't, I really was like, I'm just going to do my best. And then at some point I just worked so hard on this it, I didn't even want to win by the end. I was like, I have proved to myself that I can go in that room. It's a blind audition. So there's a screen up. No one can see you. And I just want to make myself and my family proud because they gave so much of themselves so I could take this audition. Mostly childcare. I mean, like my mom was coming over and helping. We had like five babysitters trying to come in and out so I could literally practice like eight to 10 hours a day. Wow. It was insane. The audition was so hard. It was um, six different instruments. You had to play a solo on all of them and play excerpts from the show. This is the um, the Christmas show from the um, the Radio City, the Rockettes Christmas show. And so you play excerpts from the show with like headphones on and you do the whole thing. And the whole audition is like 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, I, I want to just not fall flat on my face Mm because picking up instruments you don't play really after three months (laughs) months, um you know it was terrifying it was totally terrifying so I needless to say when I got the email that I actually won the job I don't think I've cried so hard in my life I just burst into tears and I'm was just like were you okay like what 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 and then I'm like (laughs) That's so beautiful. <laughs> so was very exciting. And the kids were all there too. And they were just like, Are you okay? Is this, are you happy? What is going on? I'm happy. I'm so happy. Um, so that was amazing. And we had an incredible season last year until it ended because of COVID, which was so sad. Um, and I just, I felt so cheated. Like I worked so hard and I didn't get to do the job. Um, I mean, I did through December 18th, but you know, I really wanted to have that full season. And so I decided to audition again. And while I was preparing for it, I was just like, I don't know if I could do this again. It's just so hard. And I couldn't 
put the time in in the way that I did last year because I didn't have the time. I was doing other things and I'm talking about that shift, right? I was, I was, my priorities were in other places. And thankfully, I think because I put so much time into that audition last year, I was like, I'm going to do the same exact thing and just hope it all goes mm. well. And I did literally did the same exact audition and thank goodness it, it worked out. Wow. And here you are and you're, and we're hoping for the full season. Hoping, Hoping, keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah. Like two shows today. I just like, I've never been so happy. I just like, I also love Christmas music. <laughs> 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 job. It really is. Like you see people smiling and dancing. You see kids like giggling in the audience. I mean, it's just so sweet. It's, and the my colleagues are amazing. And I have, so, I just have so much fun. Just great. It's amazing. It is. Well, I'm going to ask you. Again, I, I think we kind of already covered this on one hand, but what's the thing that has you keep coming back and saying yes to trying, no matter what, against all odds? I I I love the challenge. I like mm. being challenged. I like discovering new things. I feel like I'm learning new things about myself with every challenge that I take. Musically, it's so gratifying in all these new ways which is really cool because at a certain age, uh, <laughs> I kind of experienced all there is to experience and um, like, how can it possibly get better or different or, you know, um, and the, the truth is it does. And I, I think even now I'm, I'm living my dream is so amazing, but it's not the full dream. Like I was just thinking this morning, like, you know what I really want to do is I want to, I want to like play jazz. Play jazz. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been having the same calling, my friend, to go back to jazz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And and you know, like coming from the classical world, it's like, oh, what? The J word? You know, yeah, like I don't there. know how to improvise. I have no idea. Like I the I, the word improvise, like I'm getting the <laughs> now. Like that's terrifying. Um, but what a cool challenge. And at some point I have to just like release it down and be like, this is something I'm gonna do and I wanna do and I wanna learn and I wanna like stand up with a jazz combo somewhere and just play one tune. Just bring my saxophone and play a tune. Nothing makes me more nervous right now. Even just saying it out loud, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> um, but boy, I feel like that would really just, I, I can't I can't even imagine how that would feel, but I know I want to do it. Well, that's next up. That'll be on your goals list. It's yeah, happening because exactly. if you've already yeah. stated it as a desire, I know you and you will indeed create it. <laughs> so. I mean, what would be the best case scenario is if you were singing. Okay. Then... Well, we can make that happen. We can make okay. that happen. <laughs> I love that. Yes, we do need to perform together again. It, it's really magic when we're up there together. And I still love seeing your name and soprano every time I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still the voice definitely went that way to soprano land full time. I love it. Well, if you were going to say something to people in the world who are up against some really tough things that you've been up against in terms of like the level of courage it takes to do these things, I need to come back to the table over and over and over. Because what I really hear you've done with your life is you level up your life every step of the way. But every step of the way, you expand your comfort zone, which is what we talk about a lot in coaching is that if you expand and you go outside your comfort zone, that's where growth and magic is that occurs. So what would you say to people that are afraid of that leap or are right up against that ledge and they, oh. they just got to leap? <clears throat> I would say don't leap. Take steps. 
baby steps, but don't stop. That's what I would say. And in the toughest moments of learning these new instruments, which is so humbling, I mean, you feel like a kid. You just, like, I still sound terrible on these instruments sometimes when I'm like trying something new. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like anyone's listening to me play these things. Um, but then other moments like, oh, wow, this actually sounds really nice. This is really great. But I just have to tell myself one step at a time, one day at a time, get a little bit better every single day or take one small step toward the goal because it feels completely overwhelming to just make the big goal and just be like, oh, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to just get there and go. And the first step is the hardest, but don't make it such a big step. Make it a small step and, and try and plan it out. I'm a planner. So I like writing things. I like checking things off the list. Um, but I will also say I had to be in the right frame of mind to do it. Mm. And what helped me be in the right frame of mind was like exercising regularly and like taking care of my body, like eating well, sleeping more. I think when the kids just were so little and I wasn't sleeping, I just couldn't think straight. It was really hard. And I just, myself up over and over and over again. Like you're not, you're not doing anything or you're not doing enough or you're not, you know, whatever. And I just wish I could go back in time and just be like, just be nice. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, a, it's a season, it's a time. And you know what? Things might not get done and you probably aren't going to shower for a week. And that's also fine. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to like zoom out and see that. But I, I feel like now I'm in a different season where I'm able to ha give my body literally the basic things that it needs, which I couldn't do when the kids were babies. And, or, or honestly, like during the pandemic, when I was just so sad and depressed, like I was being great. I wasn't like drinking enough water. I wasn't sleeping well. And it was hard to do anything of meaning, of real meaning and of like propelling myself forward. And so once I got myself just like, I guess, like we were talking about before, like once I prioritized myself and was like, hey, everybody, no one talked to me from 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning. And I would <laughs> meditate. Like, to be fair, like, I wish I could actually meditate better. I would do like five minutes. <laughs> right? But whatever, it's still like five minutes. I close my eyes. And then I would like do some exercise and I would drink a cup of coffee and I would just like try and shut everything else mm -hmm. out. It's a lot easier because the kids were in virtual school. So like I could literally be like, you guys are over here. I'm going to go to this, <laughs> this area. <laughs> and, and now, of course, we're like, go to school. We're doing all these things. So it's a little trickier to have that like alone time. But I had a little journal that I wrote in and that really helps like clear out the cobwebs in my brain, honestly. Yeah, see it in yeah. Man, so many great tips in that, Angela. Thank you for sharing all of that because I think people don't even know where to start and you gave them about 10, 10 spots as access points. So thank Aww. you for that. Yay. Oh man, I love you so much. I, um, I'm so honored again that you would come in and speak on this, this show and anything that you want to say to the world to lead them into 2023 since we're coming up on the new year. Yeah, I guess 
I always love coming into the new year. I always sometimes feel a little in- intimidated by like resolutions and, you know, I was saying I like to make lists. I always like to do all these things, but I do think it is a good opportunity for a check-in point. And leading into 2023, yeah, I think if you can take a moment to just reflect on the past year and in, in all ways, what are some great things that happened this year? What are some things that could possibly happen next year? What are things that you want to have happen? And try to just zoom out as best as possible without looking at the minutiae and see the big picture and dream big, but take baby steps. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh man, I love you. Thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me.